When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato and this is qualifying day at the 2023 Mexico City Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pit Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, Charles Leclerc leads a Ferrari front row lockout with Carlos Sainz in a result so surprising that even Ferrari itself didn't see it coming. It was that sort of qualifying session, with Max Verstappen topping out at third alongside Daniel Ricciardo in fourth for Alpha Tauri. Where were those practice favourites though? Lando Norris was the shock elimination of Q1 and will start the race 18th, and Alex Albon fell foul of track limits and will line up 14th. To unpack a wildly unpredictable qualifying hour in Mexico, including some lengthy stewards deliberations after the fact, let's hear now from your host, Chris Medlin. Didn't I say qualifying was beautifully set up? I did. I'm patting myself on the back, I know. I'm so humble. But to be honest, it was a great qualifying session today because we just had so many uncertainties and so many different teams and drivers in the mix. Now, there were plenty that then didn't get what they were hoping for and and tripped up, and we'll get into that a bit later in the episode. But the biggest surprise, perhaps, was Ferrari. Now, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz have locked out the front row here in Mexico City, and that is not something I'd have called yesterday. It's also not something I would have called even in the Q2. Starting Q3, there hadn't really been a sign of that sort of pace from Ferrari at any point this weekend. They've been there or thereabouts up in the mix at the at the front. Charles Leclerc, particularly uh, at the end of FP2, had kind of looked like he could be quick enough to be fighting for the front couple of rows, but nothing in Q1 or Q2 suggested, okay, pole position is on the cards here. In fact, it was Lewis Hamilton who was quickest in Q2. And that was when you thought, okay, maybe Mercedes can get in this fight. But no, it was Ferrari who both drivers on their first runs in Q3 just pulled it out. They found something and managed to secure the front row, which will be very, very important because the start of any Grand Prix is crucial, but here in Mexico City, even more so. We've got an extremely long run down to turn one where the slipstream effect can be heightened massively for whoever is behind the front runners. So quite often you don't want to be on pole position because whoever's starting third directly behind you, and in this case, that's Max Verstappen, tends to get a really good toe and an attempt to overtake into turn one because it's very hard to defend in a straight line as well. If someone's got a a straight line speed advantage thanks to a slipstream, there's only so much blocking and moving you can do. So that can be really, really tricky to handle. And Ferrari have both cars on the front row. That means they can have strategy meetings, they can discuss plans and try and work out what's the best way to try and keep Verstappen behind. And it won't just be Verstappen, of course, others as well that will get the benefit of the slipstream from behind will also be thinking about that. But from Ferrari's point of view, couldn't have gone any better. 
Le Clerc on pole, Sainz second, and really right in the mix, because the other thing that I have pointed out here already is that cooling issues can strike if you are following another car closely. You quite often need to drop back to find some clear air by a good few seconds. So if the Ferraris can keep the lead at the start, then it's not a given that Max Verstappen will just pull up alongside them and overtake if he's got a quicker car because he will need to find clear air to make sure his car doesn't overheat. So there could be a, a real fight on our hands just based on the grid positions we've got regardless of the actual race pace itself. Now, along similar lines, let's get excited about Daniel Ricciardo. Ricardo had a really good day today. He's had a really good weekend, to be honest. Uh, and he admits he came to Mexico City with a chip on his shoulder. He was really frustrated with the way the United States Grand Prix panned out for him. The fact that he picked up some damage in the race and that dropped him to the back of the field and was the last of the classified finishers in Austin really annoyed him because he'd come back from injury, shown some solid pace and flashes of what he could do during the weekend, but the race itself did not go well. And that's in a sense, a home race for Ricardo. I know he's Australian and, and Melbourne is his actual home race, but he's such a big deal in America. And he has this affinity with Austin and Texas that uh, he really goes all out when he's there. So that was a race that he was really keen to do well at and it didn't go well. And he said from Monday onwards, he was just hanging out to get back in the car on Friday. Things have gone well since he's got to Mexico City, looked quick throughout, and he's ended up on the second row, fourth place in qualifying today, alongside Max Verstappen, splitting the two Red Bulls again, which is very impressive and also quite timely and, and almost a little bit awkward for Sergio Perez at his home race, that the driver that's seen as the biggest threat to his seat in future is starting ahead of him and out-qualified him today. Uh, and for Ricardo, obviously different machinery, but to be that close to Verstappen uh, is saying something. And he was actually just two tenths of a second away from pole position. That was something that Ricardo himself was particularly proud of. He said, it's not like Max is seven or eight tenths up the road and I'm in P4. We were right in the mix. And speaking of that, he thinks he can stay at the sharp end too. As I said, with Ferrari drivers, getting a good start, getting track position could be crucial in terms of being able to hold on even if you don't have such a quick car. Well, Ricardo thinks he just has a quick car. He says, okay, Alfa Tauri right now are 10th in the Constructors' Championship, but this is not a car of a team that is 10th in the Constructors' Championship. It's been upgraded. It's much more competitive here. Uh, the upgrade obviously came a few races ago, but they've kept working at it. And it's a car that's quick enough to score points and got him onto the second row where he says, this wasn't me massively outperforming it. This was me just doing a good job with a car that was capable. He was also helped by his teammate Yuki Sonoda, some really good teamwork going on at AlphaTauri. Sonoda has a power unit penalty, so he's starting from the back of the grid. And he went out in Q1 and Q2 and gave a toe to Ricardo. So managed to help Ricardo get through comfortably in the end, but also got himself through Q1 to be able to help then in Q2. At that point, you thought Ricardo might fade in Q3 slightly without that help for his final run. But actually, that was his best lap. He, had, he put together a good first sector and then at the time set the fastest second and third sectors. So we're talking really, really competitive from Ricardo, And he thinks that it's going to be a good Sunday for him. It's going to be great to watch him fighting at the sharp end once again. Now, a driver that probably should have been fighting at the sharp end, and I was kind of expecting would be, was Alex Albon. I mentioned it in yesterday's show that obviously FP2 didn't go so well and he was out of position in terms of the timesheets, but that he'd split the two Red Bulls in FP1. Well, he went and did that again in FP3. Albon was within seven hundredths of a second of the quickest time set by Max Verstappen in the final practice session. And at that point, you thought he genuinely could be a threat for pole position, certainly for the front row. Albon was looking like he was really in the mix with everybody else at the front. 
it was exciting. It was a great prospect for Williams. But once qualifying started, Albon was very quickly complaining that the car didn't feel the same as it had in practice. He said he was having issues with the balance depending on the different sets of tyres he was on. Uh, and he managed to get through to Q2, but it was looking like a tall order to get through to Q3. Then he managed to pull out a very good final lap in Q2, got himself through into the top 10 in ninth place, only to see that lap time deleted for track limits. And it was a strange place for it to happen. It was turn two and it was cutting the apex. So it was basically cutting too much of the corner. And they have some big curbs on the inside of the corner to stop drivers doing this. So Albon was risking a bit, but he was left frustrated because when he saw the stewards, they showed him a, a still image where they felt he'd gone off and, and had all four wheels off at one point. And he said it wasn't conclusive. So he felt it was really unfair because obviously once the lap time was deleted and he was knocked out, qualifying continued, Q3 starts, and you can't really rectify it from that point onwards. So that was painful for Albon, but it does mean we have the prospect of him trying to fight through from what will be 14th on the grid. And actually, that's that's quite an exciting prospect because he is quick. He's legitimately quick at this track. The Williams is legitimately quick. The problem, again, might be, as I've already mentioned, having issues with overheating, trying to get through traffic. It's not easy to overtake here. But if we are looking for excitement tomorrow, then I think we're going to have to look at Lando Norris as well. It was a really scrappy qualifying session for him. Another driver that I thought would be in the mix for pole position or certainly at the front. When I was listing all the teams that were there fighting for the top five, six, seven positions yesterday, Norris was right in that mix and, and looking quick. So it was a real surprise to see him drop out in Q1. He just didn't get it together. They went out to try and do a lap on mediums. That didn't come off, so went out on the softs. And then he made a mistake, was trying to do his final run to get himself through to Q2. And Fernando Alonso spun at turn three, brought out yellow flags. That hampered Norris's attempts to try and improve. And he ended up dropping out in the first part of qualifying. Big shock, really, because McLaren have been so strong recently on all types of track and looked it still here. Oscar Piastri made it through to Q3 quite comfortably. So he's in the mix for points. But Norris is going to have to fight through from the back. And it's a tall order for him because, as I've said, overtaking isn't easy but Norris definitely has a car that I think in race trim is probably even more competitive than Albon's. Albon's looked really really quick over one lap but the Williams tended to need defensive driving to stay in those sorts of positions when they got into the points this season. McLaren the other way around I think Norris could be on a charge so it'll be interesting to see how he responds. He's kind of got nothing to lose and he can really really go for it. Now, a word of one final strange aspect of today's uh, running that we got in qualifying was the matter of impeding. And normally when you see impeding, you think of drivers that are on flying laps getting held up by other drivers that are not on flying laps who are going a bit too slowly and they have to abort. Well, that wasn't the case here. We're talking about impeding in the pit lane. And as drivers are leaving the pit lane just to start a run, going ridiculously slowly, if not stopping, uh, and the reason they're doing that is to try and find a gap out on track to head out into because once they cross a safety car line that's at the pit lane exit, then they have a maximum delta. So they can't go any slower than a certain speed and a certain lap time that is uh, preset by the race director. So essentially, once you've gone out the pit lane, you are then stuck with the lap time you've got to do before you start your lap. Now, if there's traffic around you, for example, someone else finishing a flying lap or a car too close in front, you can't get away from them. You are bound to do a certain lap time and that's going to put you in trouble so we've seen a number of drivers and Max Verstappen was first to do it today but George Russell and Fernando Alonso also got cited for this going extremely slowly or stopping when they're leaving the pits before they get to that line that triggers the lap time they need to do 
And the stewards investigated them all for this as a breach of regulations, but said, actually, the reason for this happening is because we've introduced this lap time that they must adhere to when they're out on track. And the reason for that is because we don't want big closing speeds in the final sector and everyone trying to find gaps there. So they feel it's much safer that drivers are going very slowly or almost stopping in the pit lane to find a gap because at that point, there's no big speed differential. It did create a bit of controversy because it's still impeding. It's still problematic for the cars behind but it just shows that it's an imperfect set of regulations right now on this front so some work needs to be done there and the stewards say we do need to find a better solution but for now we don't know what that is and we'd rather drivers did this than we're going slowly out on track when there's other cars on flying laps so that's one that's going to run and run um, Lewis Hamilton was also looked at for maybe ignoring yellow flags when Fernando Alonso spun but the, the onboard footage showed that actually uh, he hadn't really had a clear yellow flag uh, shown to him so he was okay on that front but Logan Sargent did get himself in some trouble he overtook Yuki Tsunoda also under the same yellow flags and gave the reason that he'd seen the green panel ahead so he thought it was going to be okay but uh, uh, basically as any carter knows you've got to wait till you reach that green flag and green panel till you can go back to racing speed until then you're in a yellow flag zone so it was a 10 place grid penalty for Sargent who had already lost both his lap times in Q1 for track limits. So he was starting last anyway, uh, and he will line up last with Yuki Tsunoda actually ahead of him, despite his back of grid penalty for the power unit change. But the thing that was maybe more damaging to Sargent is that he's now got six penalty points for the last 12 months. So he's halfway to a race ban. Now, he would have to do something pretty silly over the next few races to really ramp that up, but it does show you can't make that sort of mistake and that the stewards were not happy with his explanation of why he'd overtaken Sonoda under yellows. So uh, one to watch out for there, because if Sargent gets involved in any issues in the race, then he might edge a little bit closer to a bigger punishment. Thanks very much to Chris, who's in Mexico City this weekend, bringing us the latest from the paddock. Make sure you don't miss an update from the Mexico City Grand Prix by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. While you're there, check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. You can also keep up to date with goings-on between episodes by following Chris on social media. Just check the links in the show description. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.